Peace and blessings, everyone. You're now locked in with the baddest chaplain on the globe, Chris B. First and foremost, I want to thank you so much for subscribing to us on YouTube, baddestchaplain.substack.com, Spotify, Apple, any and everywhere that you get podcasts. Our guest today is pastor of New Hope Fellowship and past president of Virginia Pharmacy Association, Dr. Leonard Edlow. Reverend Dr. Edlow is an educator. He has served on the clinical faculty of four colleges of pharmacy. He's been an executive in residence at Longwood University School of Business and Economics, an adjunct professor of Christian ethics at the John Leland Theological Center, and clinical professor of pharmacy at the Virginia Commonwealth University School of Pharmacy. He has served as vice chairman of the Board of Visitors of Howard University's College of Pharmacy and a member of the Board of the Black History Museum and Cultural Center. He has also uh, served as president of the American Pharmacists Association Foundation, He's received numerous community and pharmacy awards. He's also served on community health boards, many times in those endeavors, being the first African-American to serve as chairman or president of the organization. Reverend Dr. Edlow, it is an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much, and welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? Yeah, just look, thankful for the opportunity to have the conversation. Always good to have a conversation. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So I want you to walk us through your journey, if you don't mind. Talk us through your journey and what inspired you to serve as both a minister and a pharmacist. Like I see this theme of serving the people in both spaces, but talk to us about how you got into both spaces and how you connected them um, in your vocation. Yeah. Well, the pharmacy part was very easy because see, my father was a pharmacist. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, such a, such, such a man. I mean, at 12 years old, his father died from yeah. the Spanish flu. And right. that's why I'm so big in the immunizations. Right. You know, and with no welfare, you know, social security, everything, he was able during the depression mm-hmm. at his pharmacy school. And so uh, he just always had that kind spirit about him. I yeah. decided when I was in the third grade, I was going to become a pharmacist. No he kidding. <laughs> for me. And I, uh, you know, but early I couldn't. I, I couldn't be with him a lot because yeah. the pharmacy was open from nine thirty in the morning to ten at night. Right. And he did things opposite of everybody else. He got his business first, then he bought a home, and the last <laughs> thing he got was a car. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, when I got to the point where I could spend time with him over there at the mm-hmm. pharmacy, it just drew me in. Yeah. And now with the minister's part, it, it's two parts to that. The first part is you know, everybody sees this big, healthy, robust man. As a child, <laughs> I was this little thin weakling, and uh, I caught double pneumonia. Oh, no and kidding. Back then, you know, hospitalization wasn't the thing to do. Right. Pediatrician came to my house, and uh, he told my mother, said, I've done everything I can for him. Come on. If wow. you want this boy to live, pray. And so I'm going back and forth out of consciousness. Yeah. And I decided to make a deal with God. That, right. That you would heal me. I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> and, and, and But the second part about that, my favorite uncle, and that was my mother's uh, brother. Yeah. He was an AME pastor. All right. And so he built a lot of churches. He, uh, You know how in the cities, most of black churches, they had bought a, a predominantly white church and and then the buildings were starting to run down. So right, he right. built new churches in Beckley, in uh, Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah. In fact, Bethel, which is the oldest 
uh, black church west of the Alleghenies. When they had to rebuild, he built that. And Come on. He was at Brown's Chapel, and he got St. James, that new building. But anyway, when I was a little boy, when they were uh, opening up Young's Chapel in Huntington, mm-hmm. they had a church picnic. And we went out on the, uh, they had it out in the middle of the river in Huntington. And so I got my plate, and all I had on it was potato salad and string beans. Yeah, yeah. All my family and people know me, call me brother. And he said, brother, where you fried chicken? I said, I don't like fried chicken. He said, how are you going to be a preacher and not eat fried chicken? And so uh, that was sort of to me the ordaining part of ministry yeah. when he put it on me. Because even though I started preaching, I preached my first sermon when I finished my first year at Howard. I was 17 years old. But oh, wow. I sort of... It was on the side, and people would do, you know, say, well, you minister and being a pharmacist. You don't have to be a pastor. But uh, right. finally, one day, I, I, I tell this story. I bought a house in Matthews to run away from people, and I ran into God. <laughs> and, uh, said, you know, I, 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 my, my pastor in the Methodist church, he wouldn't put me in the ordination process. But I ran into uh, Leontine Kelly, who was the first African-American woman to be a bishop in the AME church. She was originally recruiting pastors to come into the Baptist church. And we sat down and had a conversation. And she said, Leonard Edlock, she said, if the bishop tells you to go to California, what you going to do with your pharmacist? And so uh, that was our awakening moment. And uh, Fortunately, well, uh, it was sort of strange. My wife never did join the Baptist church. She stayed in the Baptist church. Uh-huh. And uh, her pastor, Lance Watson, and I, we became yes. like, So when I told him the story, he said, I'll license you, I'll ordain you, and, you know, the rest is history. Come on. Yeah, Come right. on. <laughs> hey, thinking about what it means to have a space where they could honor your full vocation, because I, I, I sometimes... Uh, wonder if people have sort of like a limited imagination about what God can do through a person and people sort of see it as like, Oh, like, you know, you're a pharmacist, that's enough. Or you're a minister, that's enough. But if God has called you to hold both of these fields and, and serve and serve them in that way, people have to expand their, their, their um, belief in what's possible. You know what I mean? And the thing is they connect. So when I went to the university of Florida to get my doctorate, I had mm-hmm. to do what they call a pharmaceutical uh, care program pro- yeah, yeah. project. And what I did, I looked at the health outcomes in the church that I served, which was uh, Antioch down in Susan. And they were they weren't near any major medical center. And then right. Mango Hick Baptist Church in King William County yeah, uh, yeah. was my second model. And, you know, naturally that, that was close to the BCU medical center. And right, I looked right. at the difference in, you know, not only the outcomes, but what patient education. And so health has been a real big part of my ministry, you know, countywide, uh, health fairs. And when I was chairman of the board of the Heart Association, uh, the medical doctors, they are the presidents. And it was this guy, Larry Goldstein. He was head of neurology at Duke, but he was a Jew. And we got in the conversation and like both of us agreed that Leviticus was a public health document. Cool. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, when they talk about what you can eat, what you can come right. in contact with, and all of that, you know, and 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 I always say, you know, uh, the first two things in the Bible, when Genesis one it talks about what we should eat, and then yeah. in chapter twelve, uh, two it tells Adam to uh, manage the garden and t- work it and take care of it, and right. that's the same thing we tell a patient when they get sick, you know, uh, change your diet and exercise, and cool. so the Bible and. <laughs> The Bible mess it's right there together. It was right there the whole time, right? Yeah, but, but we don't see it. You no. know? Right back. That is amazing. That is amazing. So so talk to me a, a bit about what you would describe your ministry style as. Like thinking about, you know, you know, this I'm imagining there's instances where like, you know, you're seeing a parishioner on Sunday, you might see him on Tuesday to come they, as they come get their prescription. Like, talk to me about that ministry style. Yeah. Well, no, see, look, I don't wanna <laughs> my church is a long ways away. Oh, now, gotcha, gotcha. Now, uh, when I had my own pharmacies, I did put uh set up vaccination clinics at right. the church. Right, right. And so we would do vaccinations on the church. Yeah. And we still do high blood pressure checks mm-hmm. at the church. But my ministry is it, it's, it's, it's different. Got you. Uh, I'm I'm big on Christian education. Yeah, yeah. Too much. I feel like we don't know what we believe and why we believe. It. Right. And and that that that's really. Uh, in, in my book, I talk about this plantation theology that's still so much ingrained into how we do things. Right. You know, right. Orthodoxy. But then I'm about empowering people because uh, when in my first church, it was only certain people could do certain things. Mm -hmm. And I'm still 13 years later working on the DNA of some people, even though a lot of people have seen that they can be deacons, they can be trustees. Right, Uh, right. It was all about empowerment, encouragement, uh, opening up opportunities. But then, you know, I believe in celebration that where people, Mm hear me preach, they can't believe that it's the same person. In fact, uh, uh, when I was filling in for a guy in uh, Richmond, and I filled this lady's prescription on Friday, mm. and she came to the service, and I preached. And I said, how you doing today? And she looked at me, I said, you don't realize who I am. <laughs> and because, you know, I'm, I'm a whole lot, I'm, I'm 76 now, and I always, gotcha. I'm not going I'm not gonna preach as hard as that. So I start off real slow. Yeah, yeah. End up like C A W Clark, you know, that snowball <laughs> just all bells. Pacing yourself, pacing yourself. Yeah, because I believe in that celebration, you know. Of course. We, we, we've got to have that. I want you to know I start off and some people are saying, you know, uh that haven't heard me before. Well, yeah. I'm not gonna even listen to that, but when uh I I, I, I use logos and they have this yeah. thing that Ralph West has about weaving the text and whatnot and mm. you have to go through and, and I learned a whole lot about the text. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And and the thing is I, I think people should know. Uh we shouldn't just assume that they know they know a few verses and uh and and, and context is so important. And so mm. you throw all that in together and you got me. Uh my yeah. my major downfall I will delegate but Having run all, you know, I, I had four pharmacies at one time, and if things Whoa. have to be done, yeah, they got to be done, and I will, I'm, I'm doing it. I'll give you the opportunity, but if you don't do it, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, I've, I've, I've made, I've made my wife. She's not 
uh, she's ordained and licensed, and uh, uh-huh. she she did uh, religious studies when she was at BCU. I'm still trying to get her to go to Union Presbyterian or Virginia but for sure, uh, I've sort sure. of made her my executive minister, and that yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna get it done and make sure they get it. <laughs> still giving that loving encouragement, like come through, come through, right, right, right. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Um, so we're really excited about um your new book, Restoring the Glory, Breathing New Life into the Rural Black Church. Um, you recently did a webinar for Union Presbyterian Seminary's uh, Leadership Institute, uh, talking about your time in in, in um rural ministry and, and, and working with smaller congregations. Talk to us a bit about what inspired you to write this book and what your hope is for its impact. Well, it was real strange. Uh, like you said, I was, I'm, I'm still an adjunct professor at Leland. Yeah, yeah. But, and now we just call it Leland Seminary. They changed that in the last few months. Oh, okay. Uh, but they were talking about a merger with Baylor. And mm. I, I, they got me to teach Christian ethics because I've written a lot of articles concerning ethical things, like you know, sure. pharmacists involved in lethal injection and all yeah. of that. And uh, but when they say they were gonna may, may merge with Baylor, my doctorate is in pharmacy. All I had was a master of divinity, and I yeah. knew that wasn't gonna cut it, right, Baylor. And uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, when I went to Virginia Union, I didn't take Greek or Hebrew. So yeah. going into the PhD track right then and there wasn't an option. And yeah. then I understood, I learned that a THM would be considered a terminal degree. Yeah, yeah. So I went with the intent purpose of studying the theology of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, yes. Uh, I used to listen to Martin Luther King speaks every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I heard him when he came to Howard. In fact, once I went to the National Cathedral, uh, it was a special thing for the retail merchants. And mm. he preached his last sermon there. And I asked the lady, could I stand in the pulpit? And she says, why? I told her I was a pastor and a big fan, a fan of Martin Luther King. Yeah. And she said, go on. She pulled the chain back. And it's a note in that pulpit. If you notice, people speak very slowly. Yeah. It tells you specifically to speak very slowly because the space is so big. Right, right. The echoes would just be <laughs> bouncing off the walls. Yeah. And so that in turn, as I started taking the courses, and especially the courses Dr. Cannon was teaching. Oh, yes, yes. Something started drawing me to my context. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, Dr. Cannon, I don't know whether you've seen her bibliographies. Oh, yeah. But I mean, they right. just they just everywhere. And there was in this one bibliography, this book, Dark Glory by yeah. Harry Richardson. And I looked at that and uh, I, I read, went over to the library and got it. And I said, oh, this is, I told Dr. Cannon, this is real interesting. She said, well, this is my, this was my professor. Come when on. In seminary, Johnson C. Smith at, at, at ITC. He found yeah. it. See. And then I found this book, These My Brethren. And uh, then I realized uh, Dr. Ellison had done a lot of work, and I got in touch with the archivist at Virginia Union, and I got his little pamphlet on the rural church in Virginia. And I, I just, how, how I want to say it, after I read those two books, and there's another book, These My Brethren, 
And all those were written in the 30s, the 40s, and maybe right. the early 1950s. Right, right. I said, you know, people need to know this history and then know where we can go. Because to me, it's so much potential bound up in the rural church. Mm -hmm. The rural church has, you know, been the source of membership for many of the urban churches. Many of the pastors, their original churches were rural churches. When you listen to some of them, they'll talk about, yeah, I was at this church. I mean, you know, Rodney Wallace is at First African here in Richmond. Yeah. He was at uh, Sharon Baptist Church in Weems. Uh, mm. uh, a. Lincoln James, three or four churches, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. over and over again. And so I'm saying, uh, I, I, I know the book is going to be touchy for some people. I'm sure. getting a little far. But anyway, so I did that. That was the thesis. Mm. And then Dr. Cannon said, this would make a wonderful book. Mm. And so I said, okay, so Two months after I graduated, she died. Yeah, and I started yeah. working with Adam Bond, and he gave me some ideas of what to do. But it just always seems it was a setback, a setback, a setback. Right, right, and, right. But uh, I, I was determined to honor her that I was going to yeah. get this done and get it done right. Uh, it's not as long as some people might think, but it's not about length to me. It's about being meat. That's right. I've always been about the meat. In fact, uh, Pastor Watson would always say one thing about uh, uh, Dr. Edlow, you know, he proves you have to be eternal to be divine. Come <laughs> so, on, right? <laughs> so, Beautifully said. Beautifully said. <laughs> so uh, it's the same way with the book. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I, you know, I've dealt with the history, the theology, uh, and I close with Martin Luther King. Where do we go from here? Oh, come on. That's, that's the last chapter, you know, yeah. because uh, what, what, so so much that we have to do. And getting back to what I said, I hope some people see themselves, and even though it's troubling, they will change. But most especially, I want this for young seminarians mm -hmm. who the first option they're going to have is either you know, an associate at a local church, or if they really want to fully do their ministerial uh, gifts to go into a rural church and yeah. serve that. Yeah. Yeah. Right because I, you know, I had no idea what I was going to. The, the thing that saved me was my wife. My yeah. wife grew up in the rural church. And right. I, sometimes, you know, the well, Lord always speaks to you when you do a sermon. And, and True. I have something in there and I, Lord said, well, should I do say that? And I go to her and I say, can I say this? She said, no, you cannot say that. They ring you up. <laughs> and so uh, just, just some help for that. And even for the rural church, uh, when I was at Virginia Union, yeah. Dr. Cannon told me to include it. I did a thing on the church as an impediment or, you know, uh, incentive to Black entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, I really feel the church has a role in so many things because it's the only institution really in many rural areas that black people control and uh, can, can address the needs. Yeah. Will address the needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about that um, with regards to your work in the community and you being a community leader um, so extensively, what advice would you share with someone who, you know, is listening to this, watching this, and wants to lead in their community, but's not really sure uh, where or how to start? Like, what advice would you give them? 
Well, the first thing I see is learn how to serve. That's there the first you, thing you got. There it is. Because yeah. you can't lead anybody if you don't know how to serve. Right. Uh, I went to Armstrong, even though I lived a few blocks from Maggie Walker. Uh-huh. And so uh, even though I wanted to be a leader, I knew that was not the context to be a leader in. Right. And so I was a campaign manager, and I learned how to serve. You know, <laughs> there it is. Campaigns. In fact, I did so well with my first person that when the elections came up, they would say, get him to be a campaign manager. <laughs> you became the kingmaker. <laughs> and, you know, and that's a lot of work. That's a lot oh, of fun. Oh, a lot of work, yeah. And uh, it was, when I went to school, uh, everybody wanted to be head of student government, and I just decided I'd do this American Pharmacists Association Let's thing. Go. And that just went off the chain. You know? Yeah. But, you know, be willing to serve and then learn all you can. Now, a lot of things I had to learn on the fly because mm -hmm. remember I talk about ser uh, serving first? Right. We had this pro uh, project in Richmond called Model Cities. And this was in 1970. The city was getting $3 million a year to work on Church Hill. Okay. And I went over just to do a talk one evening on sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I'm serving on the board. And then... Uh, the federal government says, if y'all don't get this thing right, we're going to shut the program down. Right. We may be chairman of the board. Come on. And we work it out and, and save the program. And yeah, yeah. Some of the things you see right now in Richmond are because of that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if, if you can, always try to get on a board where you can learn. And I was on board of the Richmond uh, Memorial Health Foundation. Yeah, yeah. And they taught me about governance, right. finance, uh, you know, all the things necessary mm -hmm. to run a board. And that's why, you know, I've, I've been called to do so many things. Sure. Um, because most most people, governance is a hard thing. No doubt about it. And, but people don't want to take the time to study. They'll get you in trouble. In fact, I think that's one reason why after serving longer than anybody 100 years at church, because I just, you know, said, well, this is not right. Yeah, yeah. You know, people didn't like that because they always want to do things their way. Of course. You know, that, that's why I was able to be president of the American Pharmacists Association, uh, uh, Association Foundation. And even at, you know, the Black History Museum, mm -hmm. uh, after I stayed there a little while and when uh, things got real crazy with the finances, you know, they made me treasurer. And right. you know, we... And, and and glad to say, you know, we got everything straight. The city right. gave us some money. They don't have any debt now. And so it's 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 one to be able to serve and learning how to serve and then when you get in the position, you know, just take all of that knowledge over the years. So, you know, another thing was the American Heart Association, because you know, I was chair for that for Maryland, DC, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And so whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in Dallas regularly, even though I just went to the airport. We would meet in the Admirals Club. But <laughs> uh, when when you when you're around people like that, and you know, serving on these boards with these senior vice presidents, it's the governance saved because I really Come you know, on. didn't get myself in trouble. I, I, I knew yeah. when to say I need to recluse myself, uh, right, and, right. and not do things in proper procedure and whatnot. Yes, and it's, it's just like I said, 
serve, be willing to serve, and then on the opportunity, prepare yourself. I mean, it, it takes a lot of reading. And just like you're doing a podcast, it's a lot of leadership podcasts, you know. Oh, so, a ton, a ton. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's real easy just listening to what some of these great people were saying. I was listening to Craig Rochelle uh, yesterday mm-hmm. morning before I did my colonoscopy because I knew I wasn't going to get enough steps in. And I tried to keep my record <laughs> move going. And yes, I mean, yes. the people who were bringing in, like the sister who was a general manager of the Mavericks and whatnot and talking right. about, you know, the transparency, you know, and mm-hmm. honesty and whatnot with people. All of that plays in the leadership, you know. No and, doubt about it. And, and when we really need, we really need it. In the black community, we really need it because uh, <laughs> God came to my revival one time and he was preaching it. He's talking about how we got people serving in the church. They're not qualified to do the things. Yeah, and, yeah. And we got boards and commissions people serve on and their names are just on the letter here. Right. Uh, that's one thing I'm real proud of, you know, when I've asked people for recommendations for awards and stuff, they said, Leonard Edlow, he is more than a name on the letter here. That's it. You can get the job done. Right, right. You, you, you're actually, you're not just there as a figurehead, but actually right. like functioning, yeah. I'm on the board. That's it, that's it. For sure, for sure. So. I want you to tell us about, about like, you know, outside of your work, how do you find yourself spending your time? Like, you know, listening to the podcast, listening to, um, or, or consuming information about leadership, but what, how, how else are you, do you find yourself like spending your time? Well, I love reading and yeah. I, I will read the side of the cereal box. <laughs> so, I hear that. But, and then I love working out. I mm-hmm. love working out and, uh, I love, spending time in Matthews go down a, a cottage on the side of the creek. Yeah. yeah. Just watching nature. And uh, you know, I uh here lately I haven't been able to do as much of that as I want to. Sure. Because uh, you know, I'm still working as a pharmacist and mm-hmm. one of the pharmacists left. But uh they uh hired a new pharmacist so I'm I'm back to one day a week, so I'll really be able to get to do what I I want to do. Right. I, I love I love traveling, even though I had to stop flying. But there's mm-hmm. still a lot of things that uh, my wife and I can do driving. And uh, I, I I do the groceries. Hey, I hear you. <laughs> you know, my wife. I know we forget. You know, I told her I'd go do it after I sold the pharmacy. She said, "I know you do this." I was she doing it all along, but it's 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 stuff like that, and then. You know, taking time with people. I, mean, I got a mm-hmm. real nice, nice text text yesterday uh, from this guy. Actually, it was a voicemail mm-hmm. talking about how much he appreciated how I developed his leadership. Yeah, opened the door and thing when he heard me speak, but we didn't talk. But he just sent me an email mm-hmm. and we connected and uh, that same thing from a young man that's at Morehouse. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and we just they were, we were doing something with the well project at VCU, and I just sat down at the table, and he was there, and we just started talking, and he's end up filming me. And we, Come on, yeah, he's 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 doing film stuff down at Morehouse. Yeah, yeah. It's just I, I I love empowering people and seeing a change in people. So okay. you know, uh, even though I'm. I'm really an introvert, but yeah. I would love, I, I, I always take time 
to talk to people. I had a young lady, she's in college now in North Carolina, but she never said anything much in church. And she uh, came up the other day and she wanted to buy my book. And uh, so naturally I sold it to her. I, I told everybody at church, I said, I would love to give everybody a book, but I had to self-publish this thing. So Come on, I, mean, like, I, I need some, but, some of these things, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was just something having the conversation and she was talking about the courses she was taking. And uh, it just, just made me feel good that here's somebody I nurtured over mm-hmm. all those years and now she's in college and, you know, it's blooming uh, because she's out of the shadow of her brother who was an engineer. You know, right. she... Yeah, and 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 that makes me feel real good, you know. Coming out of World Church, you know, I got one lady, you know, this she's director now of uh, music at Hopewell High School. Oh, okay. First one in her family to finish college. You know? Right, right. That's why you know I say I'm big on education. Of course, it's foundational. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I, I wanted to uh, ask you about a moment, and perhaps in this season or just in life that really sticks out to you where you really felt a deep sense of gratitude or awe? Well, there's so many. Uh, uh, the voicemail yesterday, that just did something for me. That's awesome. I mean, here's a guy, he wasn't even, he, he's a pharmacist. He wasn't yeah. even an officer in his local association. And he went on to become president of the Virginia, I mean, uh, the Washington, D.C. Pharmaceutical mm-hmm. Association he ended up heading the uh, committee on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, and then you know he took my seat I had in the 1980s. They elected him to the board of uh, trustees of the American Pharmacists Association. Yeah, and uh, he he was sent it yesterday because he asked me to write a letter so he would become become a fellow. And Great. so yesterday he found out he was a fellow. And oh, so just, just went through all of that and, you know, how I carried him through this. And like I always say, it's always about building things for the generation that comes behind. No doubt uh, about it. it. It it bothers me when people are threatened by younger people. Right. And, uh, yeah. I experienced that when I first came back to Richmond. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, when I ran for office, somebody said, who told him to run? Uh, Ooh, like he jumped the line in their opinion. Yeah. And yeah. I, I did. It's real funny. You know, uh, it was an election for Richmond and Henrico. Yeah. And I ran against this guy, Gerald Belows, and I lost to him by 3,000 votes. Mm-hmm. He went on to become attorney general and then governor. Oh. But we became friends. Yeah, yeah. And so you go to the Richmond Forum, both of us would be there, and he'd see me, and he'd stop talking or get up from the table and come over and say, hey, it's so good seeing you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he became all those governor and whatnot. I'm still filling prescriptions. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we, you know, we've got, and, and see, he wasn't one of one of us that said, asked that question. Yeah. He told him to run. Yeah, I've got, you know, we've got to encourage people. And that's what I do all the time. I'm always encouraging young pharmacists, young uh, preachers. And it's sort of funny. I never will forget when I became pastor, some of my friends didn't have, uh, they weren't pastors yet. I bring them to the church and have them to preach. And next thing they say, I got a church. (laughs) I got a church. church. So that's, and 
you know, I was much older than all of them because I went to seminary. I was in my 50s. You know? Right, 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 right. And they, these guys in their 20s. So it's just just good. And another young man, he was under a lot of pressure. Sure. And he, wa- he wanted to drop out of seminary. And I, I told him, I said, look, man, look at what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't come on Friday and Saturday night. I come on Friday. And when I finish doing Friday, I'm going to come on Saturday. You're 24 years old. You got plenty of time. He took my advice. Now he's got a D man and he's so to whip his father. So it's, Beautiful. Beautiful. We, we, we just got, got to do that. And when I see that, it just, you know, I got a question in the Bible study I'm doing tonight and how is God using you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's so important. Not what other people are doing for us, but how, how, how is God using us to make things right? Better? I want you to imagine uh, that you're hosting a dinner. <laughs> this is a question, as you know, I ask all of the guests. Uh, you can invite four people. It can be dead or living, fictional or real people. Uh, Dr. Edler, who are you bringing to this dinner? Well, you know, I, I'm not bringing them, but I, I would, you know, like to talk to my grandfather who died when yeah. my father was 12. And right. my other grandfather who I, Saw, but because he had a stroke, he could never talk. So I never had a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I would want to be there. I, I want a conversation with Frederick Douglass. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because Frederick Douglass could say things in 1850 that we many people can't get away with saying today. No, and no. I, I I was called out as president of the Richmond Urban League for using his uh, July 4th yes. as yes. part of my starting the meeting. <laughs> that was a problem? Yeah. Well, wow. you know, when you start talking about bombast and whatnot. Because yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Well, the Urban League is, is conservative. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> In fact, I got, you know, I had I had Bill Clay to come and, and speak for me. Uh-huh. And I got a letter from somebody complaining and I, graciously replied to the letter and then next thing i know i was sitting in the office of the president of the federal reserve bank who was head of the united way and this one but this i think he learned the lesson be careful what you ask for come on he said uh he said the next time just have an athlete come and so you know who i invited to come oh let's go Let's go. I invited Arthur Ashe. Yes, yes, yes. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It's like yeah. I'm, doing, I'm doing what I was told. told yeah, to bring an an so we're not going to say anything that happened to again. Ever again, ever again. Yeah, yeah. and then, then the second person, you know, in that same time frame, yeah. because I think there's a whole lot more to this woman Yes. And we get to see Harriet Tubman. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, I think she played a much bigger role. Uh, the, the Underground Railroad was one on. thing. But I think she was an operative for the United States Army also. Yeah. Right. And, uh, we don't hear about that. I no. think it needs to be talked about. And then, see, that's three. Uh, the The... I had a toss-up between um, Mordecai Johnson uh-huh. and Howard Thurman. Ooh, heavy hits. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, because my father made Mordecai 
a a living icon. Okay. And I've heard uh, Mordecai, he spoke at Howard. Yeah. And it's between him and Howard Thurman. Yeah. And I'm picking Howard Thurman. Right. Because uh, just, you know, Jesus and the disinherited. Come on, right. But also I found out that whenever Vernon Jordan, who I, I knew, yeah, and in fact, Brandon, uh, I had a run in one time in Atlanta, and somebody said, "Do you realize that's Vernon Joy?" And I said, "He put on his pants the same way I did." <laughs> Whenever Vernon needed somebody to talk to, Vernon would go and talk to him. How with her? Yeah, sure, sure. And so I said, "If that's the case, I'm gonna pick him." Right. And then the last person, W. E. D. Du Bois. I mean, uh, when I was doing one of the uh, seminars we have to do Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Christine and uh, who's the lady in uh, Christian education at uh, at Union Presbyterian? Oh, um, uh, Becky Davis? No, it's another lady. Becky's at uh, at Shaw. Oh, 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 Cindy Kisselito. Well, the the lady that was, she must not be there now. But anyway... I had to read a lot of Du Bois. Okay. Um, and, and I admit I hadn't read enough of him. Sure, sure. When he talks about this duality and yes. inside of outside yeah. and all mm-hmm. of that. And I really, you know, you heard people bash the talented Tim. Right. When I got to read that, another very short book. Mm-hmm. When I got to read it, it wasn't anything wrong with the book. It was the implementation by people. Yeah. And so, uh, just you know that type of that that type of mind that type of intellect yeah yeah, yeah. just it, uh the draw stuff out of me sure and, sure and and see that was the thing when I go back when I think about Katie Cannon when I got there she said mm-hmm. she said she said Reverend Doctor Leonard <laughs> she it. said you got too much going on in your mind we got to crystallize and bring them out. <laughs> you know and, and 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 talking to an intellect like that i think it would just it it would it, it would be stuff buried in me oh yeah that i didn't know that he would bring out and that yeah, yeah, he yeah. would just you know shine more light on and that's that's for sure you know that's why i'm so big on the education and you know like <laughs> it's critical it's, it's 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 just important and yes uh, yes to, to know this and I just encourage it over and over again because uh, I had a guy told me he was he used to be grandmaster of the Masons in Virginia. Okay. He said, if you want to hide things from black people, write it down. Yeah, yeah. And, and mm. uh, we just gotta be willing to pick up those books and read them every every month. I have a book of the month. As you should. Since my book, yeah, since my book came out in uh in November, you know what the book of the month is. December. Without question, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, I I, I do a, a wide range of things because I yeah. just feel like we need to to know these things. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, we are, when we were talking the other night about the Christian nationalism, I don't think yes. enough of every day. You know. Everyday black Christians even realize what they're up against, you know. Come and on, come we, on. We've got to talk about it, and you know, and uh, that's why I push, you know, people on 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 Jamar Tisby, you know, yes. with the uh, color of compromise and that's stuff right. like that, you know, because we we we've got to acknowledge what religion 
the role that has played. And no doubt. You know, we've got to understand history to know what's going on in Gaza right mm -hmm. now. And Come on. Even when I talk about chosen, you know, chosen means being in relationship with God. And so right. if we're in relationship with God, we're chosen also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but but you gotta you got to read uh to be able to understand and and then you gotta read you know uh you gotta get that wide breadth of stuff that's it that's it so yeah. I just you know so much but you know i i I love doing what I'm doing i just yes. it's, it's i i just you know i'm uh I'm glad they they're telling me now I don't have to work as much they they're hiring a pharmacist so that's I, it. I'll but it seems, you know, Dr. Edlow, it seems like you just have so much joy. Like, the, like you know, the work that you do, you know, it makes me think of that old, was it, Mark Twain quote, if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Like, it seems, I like, guess, as, as yeah. hard as you've worked, you've also never worked a day in your life because you're just doing things you enjoy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I'll tell anybody, when I came to Richmond, yeah, I had offers to make $25,000 a year. This is dollars a year. And I came to my daddy, and I worked for six thousand nine hundred a year. Come on! I worked a long time for eleven thousand dollars a year. It was only, uh, you know, as I got into opening up all the pharmacies, did I pay myself what I should have. But I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's been the same thing with being a pastor. I mean, uh. I've been the nice guy. You know, they came up with a package for me. I didn't ask to negotiate. I didn't sign a contract. Right. And then one evening uh, we were having church meetings. I don't know why the guy thought it was cute or something. He said, you know, you've done us a favor. You're the cheapest pastor we ever had. Oh, so, Lord. So, you know, it was a little offensive then. <laughs> of course, uh, right. Cheap. And, and then when, you know, you plan a church, uh, you know, you got things you got to do. And sure. so when you... You, you you can't get paid a lot then, but, you know, because I realized they removed four of the deacons in yeah. order to remove me. And when those deacons say, Pastor, will you come and preach? And I was joking. I said, we're we going to have service on the parking lot. And they had <laughs> rented a, the, uh, the conference room in the, uh, in the little oh. hotel over there in Gloucester. Wow. Wow. Then, you know, how could I turn them down? Right. How could I say to them, well, you know, this hundred dollars a Sunday, <laughs> right? But, you know, it's like I, I told people uh, Sunday. You know, I don't do things for people. Right, I do it for God. That's it. I do it for God. That's it. You know, I serve God. So no doubt about uh, it. And and since you know, like I always say, if you love God, you you should love your neighbor. Come on, you know, your neighbor is made in the image of God. That's right. And then you should love yourself. In fact, that's that's my first sermon, and. When I used to do, I used to do a talk radio show every week I'll after I closed the pharmacy. And I, whenever I close up, uh, you know, we call it "What's Going On." So I have Marvin Gaye playing that. Yeah, but when I, would close, I would quote, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself." Right. Since to a black audience, I say that's what we have to do. We have to love ourselves, and that's what, that's why I preached that first sermon because growing up in Richmond. As a black person, it was real hard to like yourself. Mm. I mean, it was real mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. But go to Howard and see Frederick Douglass Hall. Come on. To live in Charles Drew Hall. Come on. And be in class with his son. 
Whoa, whoa. And then to have a dean who was the first African-American to be a dean of a college of pharmacy in the United States. Right. I mean, it had me seeing myself in a different way. Exactly. And, and I wanted, I wanted, I want everybody to see that, you know, that we are, are just as good, even though my daddy always told me, you got to do better. Yeah. You do better or, or people won't expect. And I didn't realize how much that was until I sold my pharmacies and then went for a month to be a consultant and saw what people accepted. Right. And how much less they were accepting that from what I was providing. Come on. Come on. That is really it. No, it, it just sounds like. You know, that whole sense of, you know, people sometimes say you, you you can't be what you can't see, but there's something about the encouragement, the extra lift you get of being around these models of excellence in the sense of, mm-hmm. you know, it expands the possibility of what you can be in the world. It sounds like, you know, you were really blessed to have um, you know that foundation of um, a family that like encouraged you to be your best self, but then really it sounds like going to Howard just like, you know, catalyzed you almost like 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 you took off like a rocket you know yeah and and like i said you know i knew a lot about mordecai because of my father yeah but i still feel like right now they don't teach the students at howard enough about mordecai johnson i don't yeah. think Virginia union they teach the students about marcus ellison and what he went through you right. know we've got to you know it, it's hard to have a building named after you both of them have names for sure you don't know the story it's just a building. It's just yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just where I have class <laughs> over my dormers. Yeah, and the fact that both of those men, you know, they the first two black presidents of those institutions. Right. And I really learn about Mordecai reading a book on the theology of Martin Luther King when mm-hmm. they talked about all his influences and how Mordecai. And I forgot to tell you, uh, I, 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 Mordecai ended into the conversation because you know he was a pastor. Right. And and James Cheek uh-huh. was a pastor, I think, also. Uh-huh. And to me, they were the two best uh, presidents of hell. Come on, come yeah. on. You know, I, I'm not pushing Doctor Doctor uh, Franklin to the side. You know, the guy that just stepped there because he was real good. And yeah, he, yeah. He he got. Oh, uh, we building our new pharmacy building, and he promised. I told him good. I stood on the board of business until I got that promise. That's right. That's right. We got that in the new nursing school, but. Uh, those two, you know, preachers, pastors, you know. Right, right, right. That's the foundation. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, what you're speaking about is, you know, it, it sometimes feels like uh, um, like Halkion days or, or something that's, that's of, of the past, but there was a sense of, you know, pastors and religious leaders um, being able to um, demonstrate that leadership in the public square. And that's something that right. is... Um, that is too often missing now or, or, or it happens in a very like controversial sense of it. But I think we need to have, especially for, for the black community, we have we, always had this understanding of like, you know, all the different leaders being able to, to, to help share the load, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, so, so tell me, uh, um, be, before you go, like, what would you say is your hope for the world in this moment? I would just you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, just just love, but if we could get rid of the negation of people. Mm-hmm. To me, that's just, when I see people being looked down upon, uh, when, you know, I hear this talk about uh, what, polluting the blood. And oh, gosh, yes. All, all, all of those things. I mean, why can't there's enough 
Come on. Everybody. Come on. World. Yes. And so, you know, we, we, we got to work on both sides, though, mm -hmm. because we've got people who are willing to accept, you know, uh, that that's why I had that problem with that theology of, you know, suffer and endure and we'll have everything in the by and by. Right, now. right, right. God, God, Jesus wants us to have an abundant life right now. Right now, yeah. But the thing that you have to negate others to have what you want to have. Yeah. When, in essence, when you negate others, you're still in the same place. Come on. Nothing has changed. Nothing changes, yeah. And so if we could just get everybody to see themselves like science and the Bible say, everybody came from that same woman. Come on. Eve, you yeah. know, it's, you know, that, that same woman. If we could all get to see that and sure, there's going to be conflict, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because of the personalities and because none of us are perfect. But this thing about negating a whole race of people or in the case of re uh, negating religion. Yeah, yeah. And then helping religions oh, to get certain talk about things. That. Talk you know, about that. That have been negated. Uh, it's just, uh, that, that that hurts me so. I just, I, yeah. I, I get get back to how with Thurman. I, I wish we would see more of the religion of Jesus, the yes. religion of Jesus. <laughs> Beautifully said. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, Dr. Edlow, it, it is always an honor and a joy to get a chance to speak with you. For those of you who are um, watching or listening, be sure to pick up Restoring the Glory, Breathing New Life into the Rural Black Church. It's available on Barnes & Noble, on Amazon, and wherever you get uh, books. I'll, I'll share a link to bookshop.org where you'll be able to purchase a copy of uh, Dr. Edlow's uh, new book. But once again, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for, for watching and for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to us on Substack, on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, any and everywhere where you listen to podcasts. Until next time, be blessed, be safe, and know that you're loved. All right? So live in that way. Live lovingly. All right? Until next time, peace.